this morning. If you have your Bible with you, or if you want to open a Pew Bible or maybe an app on your phone, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, where we'll be reading in Scripture this morning. And we'll be reading two little passages from that chapter of Matthew. Before we read the scripture and I just have a short reflection on those words, I want to start by thinking about what it is that Christmas is all about. Why do we celebrate this time of year? Why do we give gifts to one another? Why do we make a big deal out of all of it? Because I believe at the heart of all that we do, it is for one sole purpose to worship Christ the King. In fact, I am reminded of during our cantata last week, they sung a song called One King. And the lyrics went something along the lines of one king brought him myrrh, one king brought him frankincense, and one king brought him gold, and one king was to rule the world. And you know what's crazy? I've never really thought about it before. But when you think about the three kings, there are in fact four present. Three who came to the one who was and is and ever shall be. Christ the King. Though a babe, no less a king. No less a king. And in our song this morning, What Child Is This? Verse 3. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant, king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Is that not good? But those lyrics said that we are to bring incense, Myrrh and gold. But let us read our passage this morning, and it makes me think of something a little bit different. For the title of our reflection this morning is, The Gift We Bring. Hear these words from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and then 9 through 11. And now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Notice those words, though. He who has been born king of the Jews. Not will become, not will be, but at birth is king. For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 9, now after hearing the king, they went their way. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east was going on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. 
And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray this morning. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift that is worship. For the gift that is the invitation to come and fall at your feet. Lord, for the invitation to be present this morning in this body. That we may see and hear and testify the good news of Jesus Christ. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The name that is above every name. At which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. May our hearts rejoice this morning with exceedingly great joy. That is our prayer. That is our hope. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. You know, as I read these words this morning from Matthew chapter 2, and when I started reading through all the nativity stories during this Advent season, this one struck me in particular. And it's actually funny because we each received a book at the beginning of Advent, uh, a devotional book uh, called Joy to the World by John Piper. And we've been walking through that this Advent season together, uh, well, together, meaning on our own. But hopefully, as one church, we are reading the same things, reading the same scriptures, and reading the same reflections. But this very topic was one of the reflections in that book, and I hadn't even read it yet before I knew this is what I wanted to preach about this morning. I was even telling Ina this. But when I read this, I read it, and I was like, these three kings come, these three magi come, and I think a lot of times we focus on the fact that they brought frankincense, gold, and myrrh, these gifts of great wealth, these gifts that had symbolic representation of bringing the greatest gift to a simple, humble family because a child was born to them. But this time, the season when I read it, I just couldn't help but focus on the words in verse 11 that says, And after coming into the house, when they saw the child with Mary, his mother, they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then I started wondering, do we have every nativity scene wrong? Where we have these magi showing up to the nativity, and they're standing with gold and frankincense and myrrh in their hands rather than having them completely bow down and laid prostrate before him. I wondered that. And then as I started thinking about this more and more, 
it took me back to the Old Testament to another king who is willing to humble himself, willing to put himself prostrate before the Lord to worship him as the sovereign God. And so let us turn all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, so that we know the kind of person that God is interested in, that God is looking for. Because Saul, who is king of Israel, became disobedient. And in his disobedience, God needed to put a new person on the throne. And this is the person that God said he is looking for. In verse 14 of 1 Samuel 13, But now your kingdom shall not endure, speaking to Saul. Yahweh has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And Yahweh has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not kept what Yahweh commanded you. And so who is this man that is to be ruler in Israel? Well, let us turn now to 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 11. For Samuel knew that he was to go and to anoint a king out of a certain family. And after having each of the brothers brought to him, none of them were the one that Yahweh said would be king. And so this is what Samuel says in verse 11, said to Jesse, are these all the young men? And Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest. And behold... He is shepherding the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not turn around until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And Yahweh said, arise, anoint him, for this is then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of Yahweh came mightily upon David from that day forward. And so here, a child is anointed king, a shepherd, humble, ruddy in appearance and yet beautiful, and God said, this is the one who I want to be king. This is the man that is after my own heart. So what does that look like? What does it look like to be a man after God's own heart? Well, now turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. And I know I'm just taking you through the Old Testament, but I just love this picture of the king of King David. Verse 12 in chapter 6 of 2 Samuel. Then it was told to King 
David. And this is so important because if you read through the two books of Samuel, very rarely do you see David addressed as king. Very rarely do you see it King David. But in this moment, in this instance, I think it's so important that we recognize him as king because what does he do? Because it says it was told to King David saying, Yahweh has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. King David brought it in with gladness, and so it happened that when those who were carrying the ark of Yahweh had gone six paces, David sacrificed an ox and a fat one. And David was dancing before Yahweh with all his strength. And David was girded with a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of Yahweh with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. King David worshipped the Lord. King David danced before God, fell down before God, worshipped him for who he was, for God was king. You see, if we think about the history of the Israelites and how they even ended up with a king in the first place, because they had judges. They had a way to have order in their society among their people and their nation with the rule of judges holding order. But the people started to grumble because they looked at the nations around them and they're like, all the other nations have kings. We want a king. Failing to recognize that they already had one. They already had a king. Though he was not walking among them and sat on a throne on the earth, they had a king mediated to them through priests. held in order and law by the judges. But the people saw earthly things and wanted an earthly thing, and so God's like, okay, I'll give you a king. And so he sent Saul. He sent Saul to them, and look how that turned out. Earthly kings will be earthly. Earthly rulers will be earthly. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to mess up. But Saul was disobedient because he failed to recognize who really was king. And I think that's so key to the story of David is that even though David took on the mantle, was anointed as king, he never failed to see that there was a king greater than him. Even when David messed up. Even when David failed. Even when sin entered into David's life, it never meant 
that he wasn't a man so after God's own heart because he recognized that his kingship was granted by one greater than himself. There was a king greater than he. And he never failed to give that king worship. Don't believe me? Open Psalms. Such a wonderful book full of these songs and hymns and reflections and prayers written by King David. Not all of them, but a lot of them. I mean, I could just turn to a psalm right now of King David. How blessed is the Lord. I will praise you, O Lord. I will give thanks to you, O Lord. I will exalt you, O Yahweh. Be gracious to me, O Yahweh. In you I take refuge, O Yahweh. Psalm after psalm after psalm of David sings the praises and the worship and the thanks of God. Even at one point he says, the Lord of my loins. Not him, but the one above him is king. And so even... In his lowest moments, David heeded the word of his greater king. Always did. And that's why his kingdom was set up as the eternal one. The one that should have no end. And then as we follow that line down Generation after generation, we end up in a little town called Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem on one night, when there was no room at the inn, a child was born. But not just any child. A child that was the king of kings the Lord of lords and the name above every name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that even in that day while a child there would be three kings that come from the east to arrive in Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. Not the would-be king, not the will-be king, but the king. And when they found him, they fell down and they worshipped. And so the gift that we bring on this Christmas Eve morning And the gift that we bring tonight and the gift that we bring tomorrow is not a gift of gold, a gift of frankincense, a gift of myrrh. Those are but symbols 
of our gift of worship. Each Christmas, every Christmas, every Sunday, what we bring to the Lord, to our King, is our worship. That's what he wants from us. That is what he desires from us, that we'd be so willing to humble ourselves before him to worship him, to bring him our worship. That is our greatest gift that we can give, our obedient worship to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to the name above every name. And so, even in the exchange of gifts that happen tomorrow, let those even be a reminder that those in this life are meaningless. But in eternity, it's the worship we bring to our Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the good news that the word became flesh, that God became incarnate, that he humbled himself by stepping down from his throne in heaven to put on the flesh of man and to be God among us. Living the life we could not live, paying the debt we could not pay, and giving us the life that we neither deserve nor could we earn with any amount of good works. But you, oh Jesus, exchange your righteousness for our sin. And so we give you, O King of Kings, our worship today and tomorrow and forevermore.